Open it up. Proverbs chapter 3. Somebody say deal, deal. or no deal. Come on, say deal, deal. or no deal. That means uh, today we're going to deal with it. And today we're going to be dealing with a little something. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. If you know it, if you got it hidden away in your heart, let it come out right now. Let's play hide and go seek. So in the name, on the name of Jesus. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. 1, 2, 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Just one more time that part. One more time. Ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, deal with it. Then you may be seated. I like my little briefcase here. This is really cool. This is my deal or no deal case. This morning, we're going to talk about something. We're going to deal with it. And uh, I'm just real excited. If you've been here these past couple of weeks, um, then you know that we've been dealing with a few different uh, parts of within our life. That's what we talked about, trusting the Lord with all your heart. Because all these things that we're talking about here this morning are heart issues. They have to deal with the heart. And sometimes we don't like to deal with certain things. We just kind of brush it off. And so today... We're going to be dealing with it. Also, it's good to see a good friend of ours, Brother Bernard DeBaca. Amen. And he's here with us this morning. And a very, very close a friend of the family, both spiritually, but also physically as well. I remember being growing up as a kid, staying at his house there in South Garden. South Garden. How to get killed in Hayward. Go to South Garden. I think I still have that article. It's a real news article. That's what it says. How to get killed in Hayward. Number one spot with South Garden, but I believe, but because of Brother Bernard and also the different men and women that are there, they're actually changing that article, say how to have life in Hayward, South Garden, amen? Here this morning, we're going to deal with some things and talk about some things, and if you've been with us, just really quickly, I want to recap the very first week uh, we talked about, this is actually the fourth part in this series of deal or no deal. And the first week we talked about, do you guys remember what we talked about? Anger. Mmm, just boils over. Now know this, each and every one of these messages and each and every one of these topics can easily go four parts by themselves, but we try to kind of scrunch it all into just one sermon. I didn't want to go 16 weeks on a sermon, you know, just four weeks on this. And so we talked about anger. And then we also talked about how the average person loses 25% of their IQ when they get angry. Now, if you're you know, a, a person that understands and, and gets the statistics, the statistic of the United States of America, the average IQ, you guys remember, is 98, right? So it kind of stands to reason that if you get angry and you lose 25% of your IQ, you can't be losing that, amen? Don't be losing that. It's, it's not very good. Nobody makes great decisions when they're angry. Right. Have you ever looked back and go, man, that was the greatest decision I ever made, and I made it when I was angry? Yeah. Right? Nobody, nobody ever does that. And it's very important that 
uh, the Bible talks about in Colossians chapter 3 that we have to throw it away. And if you were here, we, the word uh, translates to throw it away. In other words, throw it away in the back door, not even the front door. Throw it away in the back. Don't, let, don't even let nobody see. Just get rid of the thing. Get rid of it. Throw it away before anger throws your soul away. It's very important that you do that. So we talked about that. And then also we talked about dealing with money. Money, 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 money. Somebody bought me some cologne uh, the other day for my birthday, and it was uh, uh, called Success by Donald Trump. <laughs> so whenever I leave my house, I always leave successful. <laughs> well, Donald Trump, you just say that name right away, you think money. If I say PG&E, you think bills. There are certain things that when you say it, you don't even like to say it because it just makes you cringe. I mean, some of you got a nice car, but when you go home, you look at the bill and you go, man, I ain't got a nice car as I think. It's car payment. It's killing me. And so money, it kind of, and when you learn about it, money is like all or nothing. It really is. If you ask somebody, can you give me a handshake? I'll give you a handshake. But when you say, can you give me $100? Why? What's going on? What do I do? Oh, hold on. Because money, it really it grabs a hold of you. Winston Churchill said, I give money away right away, lest it find a way into my heart. Yeah. And it's very important because it talks about how the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. And so we talked about it as well. Not just the fact that people always think money is evil. Money is not evil. Money in and of itself is not evil. It's the love of it. So a lot of times people say, well, Christians, they have to be poor. No, they don't have to be poor. The problem is a lot of times is that we as Christians, we love money more than we love God. And if we don't deal with this thing, this love can take you out. I've seen people, for the love of money, do strange things. They've done some crazy things. So that's why it's very important that we, as Christians, and we talked about it, one of the cures for it is to be a generous person. Somebody say generous. generous. Come on, somebody say generous. generous. In other words, just don't be a hoarder. Don't, I don't want to find Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay on that TV show, Hoarders. I pray that we would never be a person that is found on a TV show like that, that we just hoard. But we would, this should make a TV show called Givers. Wouldn't that be cool? I'm going to call them A&E. Tell them, I got a new TV show for you. It's called Givers. I'm going to call up Channel 7 News and say, I got, instead of bad news, I've got good news. We should flip it around. Wouldn't that be awesome? In the kingdom of God, it's impossible to be generous and greedy, to be righteous. It's impossible. You must be a generous person. And then also last week, we talked about family. It's a family affair, right? Family. See, these are some of the issues that we talk, they just make us cringe. Like we come to church all happy, all great, but some of you, before you came into this church, you were with your family, you're like, I'm going to wring your neck. This kid, this daughter, this son, this wife. Can I just go get another wife? Can I get another husband? Anybody else but this guy? Why this guy? Well, the reason why you got this guy is because you're that girl. That's the way it works. Whoop, there it is. 
And so a lot of times, even when it comes to family, we deal with things with just by saying, well, that's just the way that I am. That's just the way that it is. I've always known it like that. I've, uh, that's the way I've always been. I just always speak my mind. And so what happens is, especially in families, we have these curses that we don't know it because we don't deal with it. We don't deal with these things, but we talked about it last week. Remember, if you were here, we talked about a young man that he became the king at eight years old, right? His name was Manasseh, but he had a father named Ammon, and he had a father, wow. I mean, just wow. The things that the, the generation that passed out, matter of fact, even when you read, I, I want to get the, the name right here. Manasseh had a son named Ammon, and then Ammon had a son named Josiah. And he was, excuse me, let me rephrase that. Josiah became king at eight. But what happened was Manasseh, this guy was just a horrible man, horrible king. He had a son. The Bible says that his son did so much worse than his father, did more evil than his father that the Bible doesn't even record it. That's how much evil he did. And his father was killing babies, killing people, worshiping idols, having sex in front of idols in the temple of God. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. And then the Bible says that Ammon had a son, and his name was Josiah, but he was eight years old. And so all of a sudden, he had this family curse, but it wasn't until he was 25 years old that all of a sudden he said, man, i got to break this curse. I'm so tired of living a life that just says, well, that's just the way my family is. I'm always going to be an alcoholic. I'm always going to be an addict. I'm always going to have anger issues. I'm always going to be a violent person. I'm always going to be poor. I'm always going to have a poverty mentality. I'm always going to live this way. I'm always going to be like that. But it wasn't until Josiah came face to face with the truth and he said, no, I'm going to break this family curse. I'm going to break this thing. I'm not going to be the same man. I'm not going to be the same person. I'm not going to be the same husband. I know my father was a cheater. My father was a liar, but I'm not going to be one. I'm going to make sure that it breaks the curse for my son and for my daughter. It's not going to happen in my generation. And he broke the thing. He broke it. And he said, listen, we're going to have a change. Somebody say change. And he changed a couple of things. He changed his home. He changed his position. And then also he changed a nation. And so because of that, we've seen this change in a whole nation because one man said, I'm not going to stand for it anymore. He drew a line in the sand. Some of you here this morning, you've got to start drawing lines in the sand. I know some of you got brothers and sisters that just keep saying, well, I'm just loud. That's the way that I am. So you're naturally, well, I'm going to be loud. Okay, maybe I'm the only kind of person that has family like that. Anybody got family like that? I got family. They're just loud. I mean... I just know, even when my family gives me directions to their house, because, you know, all my family's in L.A., so even when my family gives me directions to their house, and I'm like, man, where's this house? I don't know where it's at. I just listen for the loudest house. <laughs> I wish I was joking. I'm really not. They're loud. My family's just naturally loud. And they're huge, too. I'm the smallest one in my family. Anybody seen my family before? They look at me like I'm a little runt. They give me two plates when I walk into the door. I'm serious. They say, you need to eat, because I'm, really, I'm very small. My family, 6'2", 6'3", 330 pounds. I mean, they're huge, all of them. And so my family very loud. So it can naturally just come to me. All right, I'm going to be loud. Okay, everybody just shut up. All right, be quiet. But they say, no, 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 hold on. Blessed are the peacemakers. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violence taken by, not by yelling, not by screaming, not by saying, I'm going to get it across, you're going to hear me. No, it's all right. Don't worry about it. 
Use the force, Luke. Use it. Amen. You're going to be all right. Today, we're going to deal with something. Somebody say deal, deal. or no deal. No. Now, we talked about anger. We talked about money, which everybody makes it cringe. We talked about family. Today, we're going to deal with lust. Mmm. Ouch. First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Verse 15. We're going to springboard from here. And we're going to go right through this. This is going to be one of the quickest ones. I'm telling you what. You'll see why. Verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of the Father lives forever. Now, really quickly, we see it here. Now, actually, when you study the Bible, and I'm not going to get too much into that uh, topic right now, but all sins fall under these categories, lust, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Anything you could think of. If you're a liar, it falls under here. If you're a cheater, it falls under here. I mean, if you're a conniver, it falls under here. You know, whatever you want, the, the, the sins, all the sins fall under this, the, these worldly, fle fleshly, and even within the eyes. But we're going to talk about something here this morning within the lust of the flesh. Now, we see this here with the flesh. Now, what is the flesh? Because everybody always, brother, you're in the, well, the natural thing is we're all in the flesh, actually. All of us are. All, we're made of flesh right here. We have a flesh, and it covers a couple things. It covers the mind and it covers the soul, covers the, the spirit. But the flesh is this body, this physical or carnal nature of the humankind. This flesh is made up that what we have, what we call the five senses, right? Our sight, our hearing, our smelling, our tasting, our touching. These senses are what make up the flesh. Now the lust, what is the lust? It's an overwhelming desire or an overwhelming craving, an intense eagerness and intense enthusiasm. Or even one writer says it as an old pleasure or relish. Now, when you put this together, what are the lusts of the flesh? I gave you what the flesh is. I gave you what the lust is. Now, the lust of the flesh is this, an overpowering of the physical or carnal nature. The Bible says that this flesh and this spirit, they constantly battle because one is weak and one is strong. And at one time or another, one of them is going to win. And if one wins, that's where you see the lust of the flesh this thing just taking over your spirit. And you got to be very careful because this lust of the flesh constantly wants to win. This, this flesh always wants to beat your spirit. Every second of the day, this flesh wants to be a winner. Every second of the day. There's not one second where this flesh does not want to win. It wants to win at all 
times. And one of the things that we need to understand when we talk about lust is that lust, listen to me, lust has triggers. We talked about it earlier before, even in week one. Lust has triggers. Do you remember when I brought the fireworks? Remember how the fireworks? And Brother Jose, remember that, Jose? We were popping fireworks. And then I told him, pop this firework, but he couldn't. Why couldn't he pop it? Because there was no trigger. There was nothing to pull. There wasn't a fuse. And you and I must understand that a lot of times, these, these triggers, that's why we run to many of these things. Many of these things that we have is because these triggers. A trigger for lust is pain. When you go through pain, you say, man, I'm going through it, so I'm going to run to the bottle. I'm going through it, so I'm going to go around my wife and go cheat on her. I'm going to go around my spouse and go cheat on him. Because pain, I'm going through it. I'm feeling it. And these triggers, some of, you gotta, so, some of us, we need to recognize triggers within our lives. Yes. Take the triggers out. And so what we see here, that every trigger leads to something. They all lead to something. That's where we get these addictions, even physical addictions like a, a drug addiction, an alcohol. Even some people, they run to sexual addictions or even food addictions. We don't talk about that enough, but I want to tell you something. Your body is holy. Don't treat a body like it's junk. Your body's holy. Even many times what these triggers lead to is not just uh, addictions physically, but also sensations. I know a lot of people that they, have, they need an adrenaline rush. You ever know people like that? They just, man, I just got to go jump off a building. Now some of you say, Joe, well, I've never do that. I know a lot of people, they're adrenaline junkies. They, I mean, they just put, you know, the, what do they call those, the parachutes on? And they just, I'm going to go jump. I got to go do it, man. I got to, because the lust of the flesh. I got to fulfill this flesh. Flesh, sometimes it'll win. Even a lot of times, you've heard it said before, the lust for power. Right? I just, man, I, I want more. I want more. And uh, I, I mentioned the name earlier, Donald Trump. You always think, man, how much money is too much money? Well, when you get, I've heard, I was reading a, an article before with, uh, talking about billionaires. Billionaires, they don't try to acquire money at a certain point. After a certain point, they quit uh, trying to acquire money and they try to acquire power. Because I got enough money. That's their mentality. I have enough. I'm not worried about that. If I get more, I get more. I want power. I want power. And this lust for even power. See, this, this thing is, that we call the lust of the flesh what it does is that it is a un, uh, an unsatisfying passion that we need. It's a, a passion to get satisfied, which in turn gives us an uncontrolled need that produces undesirable results. I'm going to say that again. This passion for satisfaction that we go after in this lust of the flesh gives us this uncontrolled need that produces undesirable results. Things that lead to something. And we try to fulfill it in getting something. In other words, this is a perfect example. Those of you that were probably uh, used to have this before, smoking leads to cancer. It just leads to that. That's just the way that it is. If you have a strong sexual desire and it goes outside of your marriage or you're not even married, it will lead to an STD. It will lead to fornication. It leads to adultery. Something leads to something else. You have this uncontrollable, you can't control it. 
And the lust begins to win. The lust of the flesh. Now, right away, when I even said the lust, right away, everybody starts thinking about it. And I even thought about it. I said, man, should we even say this word in church? And I said, yes, of course we're going to say this word in church. We're going to talk about it. We need to talk about this thing. And as I began to study and go over this, I said, man, I was blown away. I mean, just blown back in my seat. I could not believe it. And if everybody here in this church, I would think that we're here in this church, we're being honest and truthful, that at one point or another, this has probably hit you somewhere. And that word is pornography. We don't talk about it a lot, right? Let's be honest. We, the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus loves you. Praise the Lord. But whenever you say pornography, just, just saying that word, doesn't it make you uneasy? It makes you very uneasy. Wait until I show you, you these statistics. Oh, my gosh. I'm not a stats guy, but after I went, there's actually a church. And if you ever get an opportunity, if you know somebody that has a porn addiction, I just want to tell you this right now. You, you, there's a website called triplexchurch.com. Wow. Pastor uh, Kerry Gross. That guy is awesome. I give him props. Now, I know some of you right now are going, what? And watch this. Mm, this. Remember, an uncontrollable need that produces undesirable results. This, this lust will do that to you. When it comes to pornography, I got these statistics. These will blow you away because many of these have to do with church. Look at this. Men who admit to accessing pornography at work, 20%. U.S. adults who regularly visit internet pornography websites, 40 million people. Look at this. Promise keeper men. If you don't know what promise keeper men is, like, kind of like what we would call mighty men. Promise keeper men who viewed pornography in the last week, 53%. Christians who said pornography is a major problem in the home, 47%. And those are ones who admitted it. Adults admitting to internet sexual addiction, 10%. Internet pornography sales, $4.9 billion a year. Pornographic websites, 4.2 4.2 million. 12% of the total websites on the internet are about pornography. Daily porno- pornographic search engines, 68 million. Look at this. That's one quarter of the total search engine requests. 25% of the search engines, Google, Bing, all that stuff, have to do with pornography. And look at this. This is why I know our, our nation... We need, a, we need a revolution. Yeah. We need a revolution. 89% of the pornography in the world is in the United States. $2.84 billion in revenue was generated from the U.S. pornography sites in 2006 alone. Look at this. Over $180,000 per minute is spent on pornography worldwide. You know what that is per second? $3,000 a second on pornography. 
And yet we don't want to deal with this in the church. We don't want to talk about it. This is heavy. Now, I gave you some men. Now, look at this. Women, too. Don't look at me like, oh, women. It'll shock you about women. 72% of pornography viewers are male. 72%. That means 28% are female. So if 28% of the 40 million who admit it, that means it's 11.2 million women view pornography. Of the 28% of women, 70% 70 of women keep their cyber activities a secret. 17% of all women struggle with pornography addiction. And the thing about pornography with women is that women favor chat rooms twice as much as men. Women who admit to accessing pornography at work, 13%. And look at this. Women, far more than men, are likely to act out their behaviors in real life, such as having multiple partners, casual sex, or even affairs. Look at this. In a survey, in a, excuse me, in a survey conducted by today's Christian Women's Online Newsletter, Many women admitted to intentionally accessing internet porn, though some women wrote in to explain they'd access these sites to better understand what was luring their husbands, but which in turn lured them. This was from a Christian website. This thing that we, we, we so seldomly talk about, this lust of the... Because when we say this word lust, it makes us cringe, it makes us back away, it makes us just like, I don't want to talk about it. I'll deal with it in the darkness of my own home, but I won't deal with it in the light of my church. And so because we don't deal with this thing, and because we don't talk about this thing... It eats away, and it becomes an unhealthy addiction that eats away at the spirit. It eats away at our hearts. It eats away. Listen to me, my friend. Listen to me, mom. Listen to me, dad. It's very important that you know what goes into the center of your home. You need to be very well aware and you need to be very well uh, experienced and wisdom in how to deal with this stuff. And if you can't deal with it, you need to get somebody on your team to help you deal with this thing. Yes, amen. Because a lot of times, see, we, we think it's the, the, many of us, we think it's the addictions that we're pouring in through our mouth or we're putting into our veins and, you know, the things that we have. But I want to tell you something. The things that go, that are addicted to this heart are far worse than what goes into your veins. Right. Far worse. The Bible talks about these eyes and they are the window. There's a connection to your soul. There's a connection to it. Now listen to me. Let me talk to the men really quick. Men, we already know that we're stimulated a whole lot more when it comes to our eyes. We're stimulated a whole lot more. And listen, women, you need to understand one thing. God knew exactly what he was doing when he created you the way he created you. He made you attracted to a man or attracted from a man on purpose, on purpose. And that's why we need to understand that this flesh constantly wants to win, constantly wants to win. And if you don't put it under subjection, it's going to beat you. Yeah. 
And this pornography, oh, if, you get a, if you get a chance, you get an opportunity, you know, I'm telling you, you tell somebody, you get on this site, you get that thing, and it sends, I, I believe they send like resources to your phone and resources to you, and it blocks it. I mean, it's a powerful, powerful thing. You got to set that thing up in your home. Amen. You set that, especially those of you parents, you got children. Now, I have a daughter, a little daughter. She's one years old. Every child has an unsatisfying curiosity for everything around them. That's why we have to put, you know, uh, you know little plastic things inside sockets, right? That's why we've got to child-proof our home. Because every child, like, oh, man, oh, you know, just, what is this? I mean, if they could, they, they put their foot in their mouth, right? Like, ooh, what is this? I have a foot. They take stuff off the ground. Ooh, I'll eat this. Because they just, what is it? I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. And if you're not careful, that son or that daughter, they keep growing up because it's, it's, still, it's still in them. It's still a part of them. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. I want to Ooh, I didn't know that. So that's why it's very important that as parents that we understand, listen, this thing constantly every day wants to win. Every day. If we don't deal with this thing, if we don't have this an understanding of God's part in our lives, this thing, we don't deal with it, it's going to win. It's going to win. But I believe, listen to me, I believe that God is raising up a church that we're going to deal with these things. We're going to talk about these things. I know these statistics are here. I know it looks like we can't win. But listen, my friend, I believe that there is a change that is happening. There is a revolution that is happening. There's a switch that is happening that is taking place. But it's going to take place before it takes place in the world. It's got to take place in here. We can't expect the world to change if we don't. There has to be a change within us. Are you guys ready for this change? Okay, I'm going to give you some scriptures, then we're done. Look at this. I'm going to give you some scriptures. We need to have these things. John chapter 3, verse 7. What do we got to do in order for this change to happen? John chapter 3, verse 7. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Number one, become born again. Become born again. Just like the disciples, if you probably heard that for the first time, saying, born again, what is that? Uh, do I got to go back into my mother's womb? You know, how does that work? Don't worry about it. The disciples said the same thing. I don't, what is that? How do I do that? Be born again. Don't be the same person. Allow God in your life. When God comes into your life, there is a new birth. There is a new change within your life. So the first thing, listen, if you're sitting here this morning and you're not born again, you need to become born again. Be a new creation, a new man. The second thing you need to do is put on a new man. Put on a new person. Colossians chapter 3 verse 8, it says, But now you must rid yourself of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, or filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self. Somebody say, put on the new self. Say it again. Say, put on the new self. And then it says, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old is gone. The new is here. You need a newness. You need a freshness. 
When that word renewed, it means the renewed man acts upon new principles, new rules, new ends, and he is in new company. The old things are the ancient things. They're done with. They're over with. They are the old Adam. They are the old Eve. Some of you, when you come face to face with that old Adam, you need to start learning how to say goodbye. Bye. I, I, I'm new now. I'm, I'm, I'm all new. See, I have, I have four children. My oldest, he's six years old, and then I have a, a, another girl, and then I have a boy. This son, my oldest son, he's got clothes that don't fit him no more. So what happens is when his clothes don't fit him no more, guess what? I give them to my other son. Now, can you imagine in about four years... If I come back to my son, he's now 10 years old, and I say, okay, Stevie, put on your old clothes. He's going to go, well, that doesn't fit me. That doesn't. And see, the thing about it is that you and I don't realize that sometimes, actually a lot of times, we don't realize we like to put on old clothes. We like to put it on. And the Bible says, look, you're a new man. You're a new person. Don't put on the old clothes. Some of you need to start learning how to wave more often. Goodbye. Goodbye. I don't want to see you no more. I don't, need to, I don't want to talk to you no more. Oh, but I'm your best friend. You ain't my best friend no more. Bye. Bye. No, sorry. I don't do that no more. No, bye. So, some of you guys, you just need to le- start learning how to wave. Everybody practice with me right now. Just start waving. Just start waving. There you go. Just start waving. Just start waving. You guys just start doing that. Just start doing that. I want to tell you something. You know a practical thing that I started doing, and I actually still do it to this day? It's, uh, I'm going to open myself up right now. Is that all right? When, it, when I was younger, uh, you know, I was in high school, I used to have a lot of friends that were girls. No way. Crazy, right? Unbelievable. I heard a message one time when I was younger, and it just did something in me, and it changed me. From that moment on, what I started learning how to do, and I started, and I've been doing, I still do it to this day. And believe me, I'm just talking to the men right now. Women, I don't know. But men, tune in. I, I know women, sometimes you think we're dumb. We're not as dumb as you think we are. We're pretty smart. We just like to act dumb. I didn't know that. What? That's how we don't deal with things. I didn't know. What? <laughs> but when I was younger, I, I, I had a lot of friends that were girls. And so every time I was always looking, I had different friends that were girls. And so all, but one day, just I don't know what it was, just something in me started saying, learn to say goodbye with your head. And so that's what I started doing. So whenever I would see somebody that I wouldn't recognize, and then right away, listen, my eyes, they wander. Your eyes, they wander. And I'd see a pretty girl. What I do, I still do it to this day. I still do it to this day. I see it right away. Now, the first thing about it, let's be honest, you're going to see them. There's nothing you could do about that. You just see them. But right away, oh, okay, amen, praise the Lord. And I learned to say goodbye with my head. I just say goodbye with my head. Oh, amen, praise the Lord. Deal or no deal. Amen, praise the Lord. Look at that. Let's go somewhere else. Now, that's something I have to do. That's just a personal thing. Maybe you don't have to do it. I, got, I had to learn to say goodbye. Don't look, because Adam and Eve, they come in all shapes and sizes. 
So if I don't say goodbye to my old Adam, he'll waken right away. Now, that's, a, of course, a personal thing for you. I don't know. Maybe some of you, when you see that drug house, you do, amen, praise the Lord. Some of you, when you look at the bar, you're like, amen, praise the Lord. You, just, you have to learn to start saying goodbye. Every time you see the dirty bird, just go, I'm a clean man. Praise the Lord. You got to start just learning to wait. Now, see, I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be very honest. When I, you know, the, the dirty bird, that has no, I don't have, it's nothing for me. I'll be honest. It's nothing for me. I'll go right in there. I'll talk to the bartender. Hey, you know, let me talk. I, I want to preach right now. Some of you, maybe you can't do that. It's very difficult for you. Does that make me better than you? No way. Not a Because I have my own things. I have my own personal. Uh, amen. Goodbye. Oh, when that happens, when my old friend comes and he tries, hey, let's go over. No, amen. Goodbye. Just got to do that. Yeah. Has nothing to do with you. Has to do with me. I got to make sure that this thing don't win. Yeah. I have to make sure it doesn't win. Because if I don't, and if I don't deal with it, it will win. So I'm just going to say goodbye. Goodbye. One more time. Just, just do it with me. Say goodbye. There it is. All right, that's your practice for right now. The third thing that you got to do, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, almost done right here, is abstain from the fleshly lust. Abstain. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Dear friends, I urge you. In other words, he's saying, look, I'm pleading with you. I implore you. Uh, you got to do this. As foreigners and as exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Look at this. The word abstain in the Greek means apekomai. Apekomai, which means to hold oneself off, which also translated means to be distant from. To be distant from. In other words, the word to hold itself up, to get away from, to be distant from, it means like you're at a buffet, but don't go in line. Get away from the line. Get away from it. you got to distance yourself. Abstain yourself. If you know that old desire, that old place is going to happen, that old thing is going to happen, when you go to that place or you see that person, guess what you got to do? Distance yourself. Because believe me, when I first got saved, I know I had a lot of my friends that go, oh, you don't call me no more. How come you don't call me? You ain't my friend. Well, you know, and they try to give you the guilt trip, right? Try to mess with you. Oh, you don't, you don't love me. You ain't my friend. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. You're my friend. Come on, come on, come on. Just playing. You're my friend. You got money. You're my friend. Get over here. Yeah. But they try to throw that guilt trip on you. We're not. But see, one thing I, I learned is that I have to abstain. I have to learn to distance myself. Because if I don't distance myself, even if, like, I'm not eating, but I'm just in line eventually you will want to eat what's in front of you. So even though I know a lot of people are like, well, I'm not doing it. I'm not lying. I'm not cheating. I'm not telling dirty jokes. I'm just listening to the dirty jokes. There's no big deal. It's very important. Listen to me. Even the movies that you watch. See, listen, uh, here at the church, at this church in particular, we don't tell you what to watch, where to go, what to listen to. You can do, you can do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. Go with whoever you want. That, that doesn't matter. It's all up to you. Our prayer, my prayer is, is just that you will change what you want to do. That's all. 
Because let's be honest, even some of the even some of the ministers probably they still have every once in a while that desire because there's triggers, right? These triggers, man. This guy hurt me. I want to go to the alcohol. I want to go to this. I want to go to this website. It's very easy. We all got triggers. All of us. Every single one of us. Oh, I want to go do this. Oh, I want to go do that. Man, she hurt me, so I'm going to go get another person. Man, he's getting on my nerves, so I'm going to go talk to a guy who will listen. And we get these triggers, we get these things, and so, listen, it's very important that you stay away from it. Just distance yourself. See, it's very easy to distance yourself from the things that you don't like. But Paul here is saying, look, I urge you, distance yourself from the things that you even like. I had a, a guy in my young adult ministry one time in San Diego. We had a, a, a long talk, and we were talking about a horror, mil, uh, horror films. He loves horror films. I mean, he just loves it. He just loves it. I was like, okay, that's cool. I wouldn't tell him nothing. So as, as we had this long conversation, uh, he brought it up. He goes, let's talk about it. I said, look, this is all I'm saying. I'm not perfect in the movies I watch. You're not perfect in the movies you watch. But I know one thing, and I've learned this a long time ago. When it comes to the, the films that I watch, I make it very clear that I don't want anything to go into this mind, into this eyes, that I, even I myself, I'm not going to try to act out. I'm going to try my best. I'm not going to have this happen. Even a lot of times when, and even I learned, if you were here a long time ago, I talked about sound, right? Watch movies, turn the sound off. They're not a movie anymore. Right? Just on your own time, try it. Watch a movie. Cover your ears. It's like, what is that? It's weird. It's just a weird movie. But I told him, I said, look, all that horror stuff, all that gory stuff, all that, man, it gets inside of your heart. It gets inside of you. And it messes with you. And you may think, oh, I don't mess with, listen, it'll mess with you. It'll mess with your marriage. It'll mess with your relationships. It'll mess, I'm telling you, this thing, this flesh wants to win. It wants to be satisfied. That's the purpose of this flesh. It wants to satisfy. Give me something. Give me horror. Give me porn. Give me my love. Give me this thing. I need to be satisfied. And then after it gets satisfied, guess what? It wants to be satisfied again. Right. Somebody once said, hell has three gates. Greed, anger, and lust. And I would challenge you. If those gates are, are they're right in front of you, get away from them. Distance yourself from them. Tell the person next to you, just say, get away from it. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. The word mortify means to crush. Now this one I like because it not just says get away from it. But now it's saying, okay, some of you guys need to start being some killers. Now I know some of you guys are you're murderers. You, you murder ants, man. You, you killing ants. <laughs> You kill insects. You're like, I'm a killer, man. I'm a killer. Yay, yay. You know, I kill things. I'm killing things. I got these mouse traps. I be killing mice, man. They kill me big, bad, mousy. I'm not talking about killing insects, killing mice. I'm talking about this thing that you need to crush. It's your flesh. You gotta kill this thing. Some of you gotta start learning how to be murderers. I've never killed anybody. Well, the one person that you need to kill, yourself. Yes, yes, amen. 
this Christ. Don't let this thing live. He even says, get away from Rid yourself of it. Kill this thing. Don't let it live. Make sure that the spirit is the number one thing that lives. Because if you live according to this flesh, you're going to die. You're going to die. Live according to this and you will die. Listen, I want to say this and then we're going to conclude. We're going to get ready to conclude here. Is this. I know a lot of times, even right now, we talked about family last week. And one of the things that is even beginning to mess with our families right now is this thing that we're just calling it homosexuality. But really what it is is it's lust of the flesh. Now, look, whatever your viewpoint, I can sit down with you on your own time. If you want to talk about it, I'll sit down with you and I'll talk about it. We could talk because, they're char they're, matter of fact, even a pastor got fined the other day for talking about homosexuality. He got fined, I think it was like $2,200 for coming against homosexuality. Yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. And I was like, we're not there. You know, we're almost there. We're very, we're, you think these movies are out by accident? Olympus has fallen. White House down. All this stuff, like all these things, ah, just by accident. No, 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 my friend. The enemy knows what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. The agenda. Did you know that homosexuality makes up less than 2% of the American population, yet they represent the strongest 90%? Crazy, huh? They're less than 2%. 2%. And so on your own time, if you want, I can sit down. I'll talk with you. I don't have a problem with it. Now, believe me, I love the homosexual just as much as I love the drug addict. It doesn't change me. It doesn't change nothing. It's just right now it's, it's taboo. Remember when AIDS was taboo? Ah, don't deal with AIDS. Have you heard the, uh, the pastor's testimony? Oh, pastor Richard, he had AIDS when he came into the church. He had AIDS. Nobody wanted to talk to him. Nobody wanted to touch him. Because they thought it was, we didn't know that much about AIDS. It was contagious. Ah, don't touch me. I'm going to get AIDS. Well, Thank God, he's been healed. Now he's a pastor. He's been healed of AIDS for over 20 years now. God did a miracle within his life. But the reality of it is that right now we found ourselves in a state, in the United States, where we're looking at homosexuality and we're like, well, it's taboo. I'll talk about it. I have no problem talking about it because I know it's the same. It's the lust of the flesh. This thing is the flesh. It's, it's the flesh. I don't care how you look at it because you, know, you need to know this. For those of you that you're wondering with homosexuality, look, homosexuality you are no worse than the person who watches porn every day. Right. Same thing. It's a sexual addiction that you need to deal with. It's the same thing. It's a, matter of fact, Jesus himself said, look, okay, you heard all this other stuff. Even if you look at a woman in lust, he goes, forget all the technical stuff. I, that's why I like Jesus a lot. When we listen to his teachings, he said, shut up, you know. Just be quiet. They're all about the law. The law says this. The law says, man, just be quiet. You even look at a woman. How about that? Oh, man, you messed up my law. So there you go. For all you self-righteous guys, I'm better than homosexual. No, you're not. Shut up. You got issues looking at porn just like everybody else. Oh, don't be doing that. Well, it's just a movie. It's rated R. But Yeah, even rated R movies, those things are porn. I don't listen to the, ra the ratings of the world. L can you listen to that? I'm listening to the ratings of the world. So listen, 
this lust of the flesh, homosexual, porn addiction, whatever it might be, food addiction, and we don't even talk about that enough. These things, these addictions, the Bible says, listen, become born again, put on the new man, abstain from it, and then crucify the thing. Don't let it live in your life. Get rid of this thing. Some of you need to go back today. You need to get on that computer and you need to say, you know what? You need to look at the computer. Number one thing, practice what we did. Okay, computer, bye-bye. Bye. And some of you, if you have to, you need to get that computer and you need to go give it to somebody and say, listen, put everything that needs to be on there, the software that needs to happen, put it on there because I don't want to look at anything ever again. There's software. You can do that. There's software that you can do. TripleX.com. It's free. Or TripleXChurch.com. Excuse me. Go on there. It's free. They'll give you everything for your apps, for this, for that, and it will stop everything that you need. We don't talk about it enough, man. We don't talk about this thing. But I'm telling you, you got to kill this thing. Be born again. Put on the new man. Wave goodbye. Over again. And then kill this thing. Kill this lust of the flesh. Don't allow it anymore within your life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new. 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 I'm new. You're new. The old goodbye. Bow your heads with me here this morning. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 also talks about, I have been crucified with Christ. I am no longer alive, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It is not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ lives in me. I want to challenge you here this morning. Allow Christ to live in you. Allow Christ to live in you. Not around you, not on Sunday mornings, but allow Christ to live in you even when you're sitting in front of that computer, even when you're watching that movie, even when you're listening to your coworkers talk about that stuff. Let Christ live in you. The lust of the flesh. When all of a sudden the desire comes in and says, You can lie. No one's going to know. No, Christ is in you. Let Christ be in you here this morning. Listen, this is not an easy altar call to make. This is not an easy subject to talk about. It's not an easy thing to deal with because even right now, if we're honest, many people, if I make an altar call, we're going to think, oh, they're talking about pornography. No, it's beyond all that. These addictions. Some of us have addictions. Some of us, we've been freed from all that for ye- from years. But those are those outside addictions. I'm talking about these inside ones. Some of you have the lust for money. All you do is go after money, 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 money. You think you're going to satisfy the ways of the world through money. But just go after money. And that's why, because you go after money, you have five jobs and you don't even have a family. I got all these jobs. You got all this stuff because I need money. I need money. I need money. No, you don't need money. You need Christ in your money. That's what you need. Don't allow the lust of the flesh to fulfill and satisfy your spirit. Don't let it do that. 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, a tough and difficult altar call we're going to make right here, right now. I know it's a hard one, but we're going to deal with it. Now, if you have an addiction that you know, now I'm not just talking about pornography, but if you have an addiction that you know, man, I have a, I just, I keep running to the bottle, man. I can't help it. This alcohol, I just, I know I only, I started on occasion, but man, it's just, the occasion now becomes seldomly, and then seldom becomes a habit, and then habit becomes a drunkard. I, oh, I can't help it. It started small, but it's become big. Some of you, you lash out at people all the time. All the time. That's all you ever do is just lash out, just lash out, just lash out. And it's a problem. It's really an addiction because you're yelling constantly, constantly mad at people. People you never even met. You're mad at them. You're constantly just, ah, oh, I can't help it. God's saying, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Maybe somebody here today, you're addicted to drugs. And I'm not even talking about illegal ones. I'm talking about legal drugs. Legal addictions. That the government said, go ahead, you can have it. Well, we don't want to deal with it. Oh, I'm okay with it. I just do it occasionally. But then all of a sudden, it starts becoming more. It starts becoming more. It starts becoming more. And you got a worse habit now legally than you did illegally. I'm talking about that as well. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, the Spirit of God is moving and ministering. Listen to me, young man, 15 years old. Just the other day in high school, you saw pornography for the first time, and all of a sudden, it's awakened something in you. The Bible says, don't awaken love before it's time. I want to challenge you, young man. I know you're young. I know you're only 13, 14 years old, but don't allow that lust to eat away at your future. Be a young man. Be a young woman that goes after God's own heart. Abstain from it. Abstain from the sexual desires. Abstain from that thing. Abstain from it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, and the Spirit of God has been dealing with this right now. Even as I've been speaking, there's a voice behind my voice. There it is. There it is. There it is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There it is. Stand with me here this morning. Now I want to pray with those of you. This is not an easy one. Because we're going to, first altar call I'm going to make is for addictions. I'm going to make an altar call right now for addictions. We don't deal with it enough. I'm not addicted. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Some of us here this morning, you need to be free. You need to free yourself from this thing. I can't tell you that smoking is a bad thing, but I can tell you that smoking will give you cancer and it'll give you a quicker death. That's all I can tell you. I can't tell you that certain things are bad, but I can tell you most of the things in excess, they will kill you. Some of you are involved in an extramarital affair that you shouldn't be having right now. Some of you are involved in things, watching things, looking at things, putting things in your body you should not be doing. Do that. Paul says, I urge you. You know what that means? He's not saying, I'm going to slap you on the hand. He's saying, I'm getting you by the shirt collar. I'm grabbing you. He's saying, listen, I urge you, stop. I can't force you, but I'm telling you, 
this thing, if you don't deal with it now, it will kill you and your family. It will kill you. Well, I don't want to deal with it in front of people. I'll go in a closet. You can try. You can do it. I think you can do it on your own, but I don't know about you, but I needed Christ. I had to deal with it openly. I had to. My addiction, I had to deal with them openly. Man, they were hard. Oh, God, they were hard, especially because I felt, uh, if you were like me, self-righteous, self-righteous person, I wasn't addicted to drugs. I never went to jail. What do I know about prison? Alcohol, nasty. Self-righteous, right? I'm good. Oh, worse. Self-righteous people are probably even worse. Matter of fact, read the Bible. Most of the time, Jesus rebukes people. He doesn't rebuke the world. Guess who he rebukes? The church. He rebukes the church. He rebukes the self-righteous people. I'm fine. I'm good. I go to church. Jesus, a lot of times, even a couple of times, he goes, be quiet. Shut up. Talk too much. You don't deal with your stuff. I'm good. I want to make an altar call right here, right now. It says, look, first one is for addictions. And the second one, for those of you who just say, you know what, I just, I don't even want this to live in my house. It's not going to come. Not with my kids, not with my children, not in me, not with my wife, not with my husband. It's not. So the first altar call, we're going to deal with addictions. So every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say, you know what, I have an addiction and I want to deal with it. This may be one, this may be two, this may be five, this may be 20 people. I don't know. I want you to come right now. We're going to deal with this thing. Come on, come to the altar right now. We're going to deal. I don't know if it's alcohol. I don't know if it's smoking. I don't know if it's cussing. Maybe some of you got an addiction to just cussing people out. You can say, I'm going to deal with this thing. I'm going to deal. It's not going to happen. Believe me, we're in church. We're in, nobody's getting judged here. The pastor is the worst. I'm the weakest one, my father used to always say, and I believe it true. I'm the weakest one. So you come right now. Come on, come to the altar. Come on, come, come a little closer. Come a little closer. Come on, come on in a little closer. Come on, come on in a little closer.